Welcome back to the Dependable Dependa. My name is Sarah Frausto, and I am so glad you guys are here. April is month of the military child, and if you aren't already, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at the Dependable Dependa. We've been talking about different tips, tricks, and resources for your military child. Today, we're going to be talking to two active duty military pediatricians. They kind of explain how a military clinic works, and they also discuss the fears that they have with COVID, as well as giving us some encouragement and tips as new parents and raising kids in this crazy world. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Let's hear from the doctors. To start off, why don't you guys tell me why you guys decided to be pediatricians. I have known one of you for a long time, so I know the process of going to med school, trying all the things out, and why was it pediatrics that you guys decided to commit to? Well, first of all, adults are really, really gross. Um, (laughs) Grosser than kids? Oh, they're so gross, and they smell so bad. Baby vomit is no problem. Adult vomit is just... Oh, no. It's an adult vomits on you versus a baby. And I mean, like a baby pees on you. Oh, that's a little cute. That's a little weird. An adult pees on you. You're like, what the heck? Bad day. Um, So they were really gross. Um, That was one reason. The second reason is because kids actually get better. Um, Adults often don't ever get better, but a lot of times kids really do get better. Um, And then three is when you do all the different specialties, um, they're just as you've just find where you fit. And so when I got to pediatrics around the kids and around the other staff and the doctors, I was like, this is, this is just a fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it didn't, it was not a hard decision at all. Yeah. I pretty much had the same answers. I think the biggest one for me was I found my people once I like started my peds rotation and just kind of jived with everybody and everybody had such a great attitude because when you're working with kids, usually it, it really is hard to find like a pediatrician that you're like, oh, no, I don't like you. You're kind of, you know, so usually those folks are, are folks you want to be around. Um, and so I think that's kind of what led me to peas and the adults, adults are gross. I learned <laughs> as well. I, I completely agree. After the, my adult rotations, I was like, no, kids are hilarious. Adults, adults are tough. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely that is so funny to think about because as a mom of two little boys, I don't I can't think of anything more gross than two little boys. <laughs> so I could but definitely not. Have those boys grown up and then they take their shoes off. I don't know. Um, we have had great experiences with our pediatricians. We've gone on post for the majority of our pediatric care. Uh, right now we're off post, which I still love. Um, our doctor is super sweet and super kind. Recently, the doctor we meet with has talked to my boys more than she talks to me, which I love. So, okay, what is, what was that? We love yeah. that too. Yeah. If, we, if we could, we would just talk, talk to, to the kids. kids. Talk to the kids, it's good. Um, at my last pediatric, pediatric visit, I don't even know how to say that right. My uh, one and a half year old put a plastic bag over his head. Uh, <laughs> like while we were talking to the doctor and I was like. I had like a plastic bag full of toys and I was taking them out and he's putting them back. And then he just 
I'm like, oh my God. Don't call CPS. Anyway. Um, <laughs> she had said at the beginning of our conversation, because he kept falling and getting bruises on his head. And I was like, is this like an ear thing? And she's like, no, some kids are just like a wrecking ball. And so when he did that, she was like, wrecking ball wrecking and like ball. walked out and I was like okay. <laughs> so. okay so if you were to be able to give new moms brand new moms um three pieces of advice what would it be uh I think mine the first piece of advice would be that babies are, are pretty resilient uh, and so I think part of that is just not worrying like excessively, that generally they can withstand. I, one of my mentors in, in residency used to say that babies are resilient enough to survive first time parents. Uh, and they really, they really are like hardy. And so just realizing that and that, you know, things, you do the things to protect them, make sure we're doing, you know, safe sleep, make sure you're getting your vaccinations, but generally they, they will be okay. And it is okay to sleep. It's also it's also okay to have questions if you do have questions that come up. So to ask your pediatrician, please don't Google the answers to <laughs> pediatrician. Um, and just yeah, know that it's it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. I agree a lot. I would add two things. Um, one is that there's a lot of there's very few wrong things to do, right? If you don't feed your kid, that's the wrong way, but there's a lot of right ways to do it. And so there's not just one way to do parenting because it's going to change per kid and per stage and per everything else. So that'd be one thing is we will tell you the wrong ways, but there's a million right ways. I like that. That's encouraging. Two is that my, the only reason that the military hires me and pays me continuously is to watch out for these kids. So I will tell you when I'm worried about something, I will tell you if there's something that we need to, to be concerned about. And if I'm telling you, hey, this is normal, this is okay, it comes from a place of truly wanting to reassure you um, mm -hmm. that it's okay. Um, and then three, that it's such a short time and most people look back and regret not enjoying that time more. So trying to savor the time that baby stage um, or whatever stage you're in um, mm -hmm. rather than wishing that time away. Yeah. It's exhausting. My most unfavorite quote is the years, the days are long and the years are short because right now long days equal long years. So you know, that's, that's how that I feel. <laughs> so I do want to talk about one little myth, military doctors, but you did not go to military medical school, right? Yeah. So there is there is a military medical school um, that is a uniformed services university. Neither of us went to that, um, but it is a fully accredited uh, medical school in the United States. Um, so we both went to civilian medical schools. Most people go to civilian medical schools and then come into active duty. So nobody who is in an active duty military physician position, not one person did not graduate from a fully accredited United States medical school and have to pass all of the same or medical boards that everybody else in the civilian world had to pass. 
Um, and so at minimum, we have all passed at least three steps. Mm -hmm. And for those of us that are board certified, it's four. So the training and the school is the exact same um, up until you get to residency. And then in residency, they are all accredited under the American Graduate Medical or ACGME, American College of Graduate Medical Education. Um, and so all of the military programs are accredited by the same body that accredits the civilian programs. So everybody is trained under the same standards and has to pass the same um, boards and tests and exams and proctoring and everything along the way. Um, so I'm it, it does often baffle me where that myth comes from. And it, it seems to be perpetuated often. And I don't know, I don't know why. And do you, do you guys feel that the standards, the regulations, um, the practices of military medicine, quote unquote, is equivalent to civilian medical? So that's a, a two-part question, I would say. Okay. Part one, are the standards of care the same? Yes. Do I do the same thing in a well child check? Do I do the same thing in an ER? Do I do the same thing in a labor and delivery suite that any pediatrician would do? 100% absolutely. Now, the military is certainly behind in some of the technology and some of the way that they implement that. So you might go to a civilian care where they email you or they have tablets for some of the developmental screening and we're still doing it on paper and pen and scanning it into your notes. Um, so I think sometimes that appearance that it's behind or different is there um, when in reality, what we're doing is the same, how we're doing it might be a little bit behind. Do you guys feel that that impression is given off as a parent, when a parent comes in, do you feel like they have that feeling that you guys are behind or that you guys went to boot camp to get your medical degree. Do you guys feel that as the doctor in your relationship with parents? Because they know the system and the records were transferred more easily and maybe in the distant past I have, but nothing, nothing recently. It's they're They're not the majority, um, but they're a strong voice when they do come in. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I usually tell them, um, cause you can tell, who thinks that? And I'll just tell them, like, I promise if you get to know me, you might just like me. <laughs> and if you don't, then we'll figure out another place for your kid. But yeah. I promise that I'm here to take care of your kid. So just give me a chance. Um, and I don't know that everyone feels that way. I think the military does a good job of burning the good folks out easily. I think that's true in every sector of the military, um, not just medicine. So I do think they're um, not the majority, like I said, but the loud voices when they come through. And I think that is our part as a parent too. If I'm not connecting with my child's doctor, no one says that I have to keep seeing you. Um, as much of a nice person you might be, if we're not connecting, if I don't, I, my job is to be an advocate too. Um, or to just feel comfortable. I know as a first time mom, just like feeling comfortable going in. I know there's a couple doctors where I was like, oh, I just would rather see that person. Just side note, you guys can do that. You guys can call TRICARE and have your doctor change. Like you don't have to be in an uncomfortable position because that's the name TRICARE gave you or the name 
that was available when you called to make your doctor's appointment, but no one's going to do anything wrong. Like, <laughs> but as a mom, you can, you can't do that. Just a little tricare side note there. We uh, sign papers all the time. Yep. So all the time we have families that I want to see her and, or vice versa. And yeah. I, we are, we it's no problem. We don't take offense to it mm-hmm. at all. It's Not just at all. sometimes it's- you have a really good relationship with the patient. So they're like, Oh, I definitely want to see, this person over here and so you're like okay yeah if you have a group relationship that's that's gonna be what's best for your kid i would much rather you be happy and the other doc be happy together than it be miserable for me and you i promise you i will sign that paper well and i i don't know if this is just the the time we've like you know the things we've experienced but sometimes i call and it's just whoever is available i'm able to see and so it doesn't even nothing technical has to happen to have paper signed or things transferred. I can just be like, I'd rather see Dr. A instead of Dr. B. And, yep, absolutely. Yeah. and you can absolutely ask that. Like when you go on, like when you call for an appointment, you can say, Hey, I'll take, can I see whoever, even if that's not who it is, like your, your, your PCM, your PCM. at the time. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You don't have to be in a weird position if you don't want to be. Okay, why is the weirdest, craziest thing that has happened as a pediatrician? Okay, so it was in the ER. Um, I was working an evening shift and uh, a family came in and told me, or I got a, a note from the nurse like in the ER and like picked up the chart and it said that the, the girl had been bitten by a squirrel and that the family had the squirrel with them. And so I go into this room and the girl had in fact cornered a squirrel and gotten bit by the squirrel. And somehow the dad and the uncle had trapped the squirrel in a pillowcase and had brought it into the ER. What are you doing with the squirrel? anymore but I just remember that there was a squirrel in a pillowcase freaking out in the corner because the uncle was just holding it out and the squirrels just like, oh my goodness um and then recently I had a mom bring me urine in a Tupperware and I didn't really know what to do with that yeah pretty good a diaper one time because I, I see people, the people bring in the diapers all the time <sighs> yeah, that's like that's normal that's not yeah, like, a like, weird I don't thing. Even... like i've had so many they're like and they just whip it out and they're like they open it up and they're like hey look at this or they have like a thousand photos on their phones and you're like uh-huh and you just go go through the photos that's pretty that's, that's pretty actually typical. standard that's pretty like, standard that's even something that yeah i mean i think i have sent you photos before of poop i'm pretty yeah. sure. mm-hmm. no, my brother definitely has with his new one. <laughs> Like, I don't realize that that's not an appropriate conversation to have with people, of, like, is about poop. Like, we talk about it with, like, our Pretty friends. Pretty much every visit, oh, like, too, just, like, honestly. Like, somehow it'll come up, you'll be at dinner with people, and you're like, what am I talking about poop? Shut up. Like, yeah. like a pediatrician thing, like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. We had a friend that said, if you are parents, within 10 minutes of a conversation, a group of parents are talking about poop. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I think for the pediatricians, it might be five minutes. It might be. It's just somehow, like right now, we've been talking for 10 minutes. And we're talking about yep, that's there where we are. are. There we are. 
Uh, I had a harder time with this one. Um, but your your squirrel story, we actually, when I was in residency, there was a monkey bite down in the <laughs> ER. They did not trap the monkey. There were so many questions about why the monkey was in this family's possession, but it actually, I don't think this family ever returned. Like they were supposed to follow up an infectious disease clinic. And mm -hmm. there were so many questions about this monkey that we think it was like illegally smuggled across somewhere and not registered or something. And anyways, this family never showed up for follow-up, oh, but it was just such an interesting, interesting story. I wish they would have brought the monkey in though. That would have been like a squirrel. That was residency. Um, since I've been here, yeah, they're not as fun. I've had like weird social situations where I had a family that maybe they were the mom and the dad were having some relationship issues, and um, the mom brought in a bunch of documentation of their relationship issues like about words and emails that were between the mom and the dad, like personal, personal information that binders. was binders full. And um, it, it really wasn't related to the medical care of the child. Um, and so that was, that was a weird one to, to <laughs> go through and figure out what to do with that. But, uh, but yeah, those, I guess Parents, those are the please two. Please don't bring in 10 years worth of arguments between you and your spouse through a pediatrician. Yeah. Was, <laughs> what are you... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was different. Yeah, that's the response. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't even. I mean, unless they want a behavioral health referral, like yeah, you don't know, yeah, a referral yeah, for that. I understood maybe the the conflict a little bit better. Maybe I don't know. I just I I would not recommend it to other, <laughs> other parents. Just okay. So I have heard you guys talk about being in the ER and in your office what does a day look like for you guys are you guys in one or the other do you guys what is that just go with that what does your day look like right now so it depends on where you're stationed so some places have hospitals and some places only have clinics some places have urgent cares and clinics some places have you know it's it's a mix so we've both been stationed at places that had a full hospital full ER, could deliver your babies there, you could get all of your care, one-stop shop. Um, where we currently now are is clinic only. Um, and so it's just an outpatient clinic. Um, so gosh, our day, our first patient is at 710. Yep, 710. 710 in the morning, um, every 10 minutes until 1520. Yep. yep. We- Full days. Full days. Full days. So every 10 minutes, how do you within 10 minutes get in, know what's going on with your patient and then leave? Well, have you ever had to wait for your doctor? <laughs> yes, definitely. That is why. That's why, yeah. That is why. If one person shows up even one minute, if one person even shows up on time, your whole day is completely wrecked because you will push back the rest of the day. Your last patient is at 320, right? 1520. Wife language is 20. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's scheduled then. Whether or not they get seen then is a different story. So when do you typically leave your last patient? Like out of the patient room or leave the clinic? Out of the patient room. And then charting starts. And how long does that take you guys? It depends on the day. Depends on the day. I think the latest that her and I have been there charting together was about 10 p.m. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, a typical day, we're out around six. Yeah. So it's about 11 to 12 hours of solid work every day. And so, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of gets fit in wherever. There's no time given for that. So you just stay late. You come early. We really try not to do too much on the weekends because um, you need a mental break. But yeah, so a lot of times I think that's where that that myth, if you want to say, or maybe reality comes in that um, that military medicine, like those aren't real military, um, is because they it's not it's not part of our day to day culture because it's not fit in, it's not prioritized. So when most people are like, you know, we're taking off for a promotion ceremony, well, we're not. When most people are like, we have PT time every week, well, we don't. When most people say, well, you know, you just, you have to go to the, you know, go to finance, like we email them, like it just, it doesn't happen. And so I think that's what creates that perception that we're not the best military folks um, because it's just shoved in everywhere else. Yeah. Wow. I know many times I've texted you and said things like, oh, well, during our four-day weekend. And you're like, yeah, we don't have those. <laughs> like we, Not anymore. Not yeah. anymore. Yeah. That is crazy. Um, I have another question. There was one thing that I didn't put on the list, and I don't know how to ask this as a question, but I feel like it's important for parents to hear and it's a conversation you and I had about time where I had strep throat and a few days later my son came down with fever and a sore throat and I was convinced that he had strep throat because I had it and he sleeps next to my face so of course he has it and I went in and the doctor was very hesitant to take the test we went in he did not have a fever he had a sore throat but he wasn't like acting weird or anything like that and you had discussed about you couldn't just do the test because I suggested it. it had to meet criteria. Can you guys kind of explain that so that parents kind of get a gist of what that looks like for you guys? Well, I think some of it comes back to that idea that like it's a different quality of care. And I think a lot of people don't realize that we are paid like everybody else in the military. So it's like we're paid on our rank and our time and service. And a lot of places on the outside get paid for what they can produce. So if someone comes in and they, sure, I'll test for strep because I get paid for sticking a swab down someone's throat and I get paid for interpreting the results. And then I get paid for writing a prescription for antibiotics. And so all of those are billable to insurance. Um, it's not like a kickback or anything, but it's, it's, it generates revenue and that is what allows them to keep a job. So there is this national standard of criteria that we actually, I would say, follow incredibly well because we don't have any of those restrictions put on us. But if you're used to going into the community um, where any urgent care is like, sure, we'll test you for whatever. Um, sure, here's some antibiotics for your ears a little red, here's some antibiotics, there you go. 
Um, and if that's what you're used to, and then you come on base and you have somebody who's like, well, this is the criteria and you're not meeting that. And so it makes me hesitant to do this. Um, that's a lot of times when parents are really mad and feel like we're withholding care, which is what we get accused of quite frequently is you're withholding care. And so they think that we're trying to withhold medicines or referrals, you know, just yeah. whatever they have in their mind that we're withholding, um, is probably that biggest myth and, we, not at all, but we are trying to follow that standard of care. So I think um, that myth of, of standard of care is probably actually what the bigger thing is. Um, and it, people don't really often know the standard. So they think the outside is the standard when I'm not sure that that really is. Let's say I came in and I said, no, I know my son has strep throat, do the test. And you were to do it, even though I didn't meet the criteria to do the test. What would happen on your end? Um, Nothing, really. I mean, I would have had a screaming child who I shoved something down their throat to test um, and another lab result to call back that. And there's times where parents advocate. And I would say there's a lot of times where we're just like, okay, well, you know, okay, we'll do it. And I think most people are like, okay, well, you know, sure. it does get sometimes out of hand where we're being bullied by parents who Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can read on the mom's page. When you tell us I'm going into this appointment on this day and I'm not leaving without X, Y, Z. Before they come and see us. I can see that. Um, And so then I'm just scared to go into that room. Yeah. It's not a good, yeah. A therapeutic Mm -hmm. relationship to begin with because already, you know, like, yeah, the, the trust is not there. And so, but, but so maybe with this specific example, but there are times where if we just give out antibiotics or if we just sign this form and you haven't been seen or whatever it is, it does come back to haunt us because our higher ups come down super hard on us for different numbers and different standards. Um, we've had certain standards not met where they'll just take a provider from you. And so now you're doing the same work with less people. It, it may not have ramifications that day, but certainly over course of time, it comes back to haunt us. Now, I want to hear you say that again on the wives' pages. You guys are on the wives' pages hearing what's going on? Oh, I'm, we are not. We have our mom spies. <laughs> yeah, I guess for, yeah. <laughs> you were like, oh, did you know, did you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the people that work in the medical group are moms as well, and they become our colleagues. And so they're on there and they, they watch. Um, so we see what is said about us yeah, <laughs> um, and yes. what people are, are demanding and what. I think that is really a disservice. I know when I moved to a new post, of course, all of us, we go on the military spouses page and we find out who the best pediatricians are. I love hearing things like, oh, I saw this person, didn't love them, saw this person, loved them. I cannot imagine some of the things that you guys see and you guys hear. And that is not helpful for people because maybe I may not get along with you, but that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong or hurtful. And maybe you're a good match for the next mom coming along. And so I think that's a disservice that we're doing to each other, not only to you guys, but to each other, because who knows who may have more knowledge of something that our child needs. And just because 
your child didn't need that from that person doesn't mean you can bash them and hurt their reputation for the next person. So, you know, what happens though, too, is when you, when you're, I mean, it happens at big and small places. Um, but when you're at a small place, maybe there's one pediatrician or it's a case where there's two or three, um, maybe even four, right. Let's say that everyone's like, Oh, you got to go with pediatrician. A. they're the best. They're the, this, they're the, that, you know what you just did. You just burn that person out and they're going to leave the military. That's what you just did by doing that. Be careful with all bum rushing one person um, because it's, it doesn't, it's not going to get the outcome you want. Well, and I don't know if this is true either, but if you, if everyone goes to provider A and you call and then you're going to be mad because provider A doesn't have appointments for three months. Well, you can go see provider B and C and D. They did nothing wrong. (laughs) Like they're still doctors. They're still fine. They just didn't agree with the parent. (laughs) Like you're going to be okay. So we get that a lot of just people that are so adamant, like I have to see her or Mm -hmm. I have to see this person. I refuse to see this person. And, um, I, I would actually prefer, I would prefer to hear that after the visit, like shoot me, like send a note, put it something in where, you know, if we really didn't get along and there was a legitimate reason, like, let me know why, um, I'm not going to, I would much rather hear it from you and take constructive feedback, then see it on Facebook of my reputation falling apart. And if you have a really great experience with a doctor, ICE complaints work both ways, guys. You guys can send an ICE about how wonderful your visit was to the doctor and how helpful they were and how they've educated you and how they gave you the referrals and helped you understand that you may not have needed this, but you need that, that your child really is fine. And they calmed your fear. Like, you can send advice about that too. It doesn't just have they, to those, like legitimately come back to us and like they're I they have to they're extremely motivated. Yes, they we have to address every single one. Yeah. So it goes every single one is read by leadership and trickled down. And we have to account for every single thing that a parent says on those. Um, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and but I think you hit the nail on the head that it's it's actually called an ice comment, but everyone calls it an ice complaint. It's only known for this is when I'm going to go off. This is when I'm going to get him. Um, And so I would say maybe one out of a hundred is good. Um, And I keep those ones. The other ones you have to let roll off your back or you would not get out of bed in the day. Wow. That's a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is why I'm so excited that you guys are doing like, How do we turn this into a positive? I just say it's ice comments. Well, the Facebook groups, there. I mean, during COVID, I'm trying to think of good stuff that I've seen, like moms reaching out to other moms about like finding kids for their kids to play play with because of anxiety or depression, because of social distancing, et cetera. And so they can't, they can't. okay let's talk about COVID a little bit we are struggling over here because we PCS'd during COVID there's so much distance there's so much nose 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 what are things that parents can be doing that can be helpful through a church group or through if you have family in the area or what have you getting outside well it's cold in the northeast right now but this area is warming up (laughs) and so getting outside where you can getting as much physical activity as possible a play group, a chess group. I don't know. Pick something, even if it's one thing, because your kids need that. The kids have not had much to look forward to. Everything around them has changed. And because COVID has gone on for a year, you know, for 
for a kid who's five, a year of their life, they need something to look forward to um, on a day-to-day basis that's that's with people. Um, find find something that. What ages are you guys seeing the mental health aspect of COVID hitting? Like starting at every single one. Every we've had um, probably double the amount of speech therapy referrals because of the masks. So we're finding that kids are not learning how to talk correctly, and the articulation concerns are not speaking. Um, it's probably doubled in this last year. So we're seeing some developmental issues that have changed, mm-hmm. um, behavioral issues that are starting in toddlerhood that are different than the typical, mm-hmm. you know, terrible twos and three age years, but the behavioral stuff is coming out in those early, early, early kids. Mm-hmm. And then we've had as down to eight that has been inpatient hospitalized for, yeah. for suicide attempts, mm-hmm. um, down to eight. So eight, nine, 10, and then the teenage stuff has just spiked through mm-hmm. the roof. So I would say it's rare that we see a depression screening or a kid that doesn't have something going on right now. So out of, you know, 20 plus patients a day, mm-hmm. if you take the babies out, okay, so there's maybe 15 and one or two maybe doesn't have something wrong. Yeah. It's been, it's been rough. Yeah. Do we need to be more worried about COVID or more worried about our children being depressed and um, delayed? When we didn't know the answers to some of what was going on, especially for the young, healthy kids, I think it was right to worry. At this point, the damage that we are causing with the distance, the masks, the isolation, the mental health concerns, I am much more fearful as a pediatrician of the damage that is going to cause long-term than the majority of kids getting a fancy cold. Um, how long do you think it's going to take for these children to recover? I don't know if some of them will. Wow. Wow. I think most will. Most will bounce back, but some, I think the way they learn has, is, is, off, is changed for most of the school age kids. Having stuff in the past now of, oh, I was hospitalized and put on all this stuff. I was separated from my family for six months in an inpatient facility. I was, you know, mom and dad split up because of the stress of COVID. And so my life is forever changed. Those kind of things are pretty permanent. Sorry, we're not very uplifting. These are conversations moms talk about at the playground. <laughs> like these are the things that we wish we, she could just text someone and ask. It's hard right now when the party line is a very different stance than I think if you talk to people Mm one-on-one, that they're going to tell you. Like we are both, I know, I know how we both feel and I know what we're kind of side-eyeing each other and what we want to say, but what we feel like we're not allowed to say. Mm -hmm. And that's what scares me actually going forward is that a lot of people aren't saying the stuff that we're all thinking. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's take a breath. Um, what do you love about being a pediatrician? Um, what do I love about being a pediatrician? I, you know, kids, kids are very, very funny. I I mean, that, that is the best part of it. And they're just like endearing and like you, like they'll just hug you and they made all the appointment and you're just like, oh my gosh. And those are the moments that, that make it to be able to take care of, of the kids and support the family, you know, their families, their parents. And so, and being a military 
pediatrician too, um, just providing that service to, you know, giving back in that way. It's, um, it, it is pretty, pretty cool. My favorite are the, the first time parents, as much as sometimes they suck the life out of us, we love them the most because we get to watch two things. Number one, oftentimes you're not around family and you're in the military and you have a baby. I think that probably people come to us more than they would in the civilian world because we're the only game in town for them um, sometimes. But you get to watch people suddenly become a family. I've, we've had people that don't know how to change a diaper, don't know how to dress a baby, don't know how to get them in the car seat. And you mm -hmm. see them over the months and years. Months and, years. and they're well, just like, kid and they're yeah, like, you got this. Yeah, and you <laughs> see them get really excited and good and know, hey, you told me this last time and like it totally worked and we did it. We didn't even have to ask or, you know, whatever it is. And so you see you see families being created and um, you're just kind of a piece, a puzzle piece of that. So that is really fun. Babies are our favorites. Maybe because they don't talk or move yet. <laughs> <laughs> they also that can't lie to you then. Um, we can't. If you could change one thing about military healthcare, what would you change? Uh, military healthcare, dependent care. I feel like each year we decrease our manning and then that's kind of where everything is being shifted more towards active duty. And so, which, which is good needed. Um, but if I, yeah, I would just, man, can I, can I, the answer is never manning, but man, I wish I could have some more nurses and some more techs and another pediatrician um, so that parents could get their kids seen, you know, more, you know, more often than than we can do right now and that would be my biggest thing because I think you're seeing that across all the bases mm -hmm. uh, at least in pediatrics um, it's just the clinics are getting smaller and smaller and a lot of the care is being transitioned off off base um, because you just can't accommodate it on yeah, my answer is the same just the umbrella of that answer so what people don't know often is that um, Congress mandated um, that TRICARE get cheaper they basically said military is spending too much and we need to change this. So a third party that is civilian um, took over and it's called Defense Health Agency. And they took over Army, Navy and Air Force um, healthcare and they run the show. So that's something people don't often know. Like people have Army bosses, Navy bosses, but then there's also a DHA boss. And so we're answering to civilians in addition to the military. Um, and the civilian entity is deciding our manning. The civilian entity decides our funding. The civilian entity decides everything down to how you can schedule a patient and when and how you can see them. Um, so if I could change one thing, I would give the whole entity back to the services. Um, I would make it fully military again. So I would do, actually do the exact opposite of what they're doing. Rather than trying to civilianize it, I would bring it fully back and have large uh, military hospitals that can actually take care of their people. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you eventually see dependent care being taken off post entirely? I guess that's the concern. That's our concern? That's the concern. Um, they keep telling us no, um, but with the way it's going, I am not going to hold my breath. Um, however, this has happened in the past and the pendulum swings. So I could see it completely backfiring as well and rebounding with a vengeance. Um, 
but where it's going right now, it is looking like it's going more and more towards active duty only. That'd be unfortunate. Absolutely. Agree. Yeah, I love the military community. You can't understand the military until you are part of the military. As much as you can take classes and you can read books and all that, you're not in it. And you guys know the separation issues. You guys know the moving around issues. You guys know all of that. And for that to be pushed into civilian world, they don't understand it in the same way. Yes, they know that you move and they know that your dad leaves, but you guys understand, like, that's your specialty is military pediatricians. Like we see that all the time. Like when our technicians move, it's not because they took another job. It's because the military moved them. And it is heartbreaking when she goes on TDY. I get that. She's not going on vacation. She's going on TDY. When the military sends me to captain's career course or whatever, you know, they're sending me to, she knows that she has to pick up the slack because, you know, it, that's just what we have to do. When people get deployed or PCS or, you know, that is what makes us unique is that we do it, we know it, and we can walk people through it. And so we know what those kids are going through too. In the civilian world, just there's no way to know that. No way to do it. I know there's some questions we didn't hit, but I feel like we kind of mixed them in there. Is there something that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? I What I really want moms and dads to know is that I promise you, I want your kid to be the best, healthiest, most successful version of themselves that they can be. And I'm on that team. So in no way do I want to withhold care or withhold anything necessary for these kids or be a hindrance to anything for the kids or the family. I am on your side. I am on your team for your child. And I think oftentimes we get pitted against each other between parent and pediatrician and we are on the same team. And I wish that that came across from us and from them and to us and to them um, more often than it does. If you guys had to do it all over again, would you guys be military pediatricians? If I chose to be a doctor, I, I would be in the military for sure. I absolutely would have chosen the same path, like through the scholarship program that I went through and, and yeah. I would have done that. Same answer. I don't know that I would have chosen medicine again, but if I was going to do medicine again, there would be no way I would do it without the military. Yep. And there would be no way I would do it any way other than military pediatrics. You guys don't have to answer this, but why did you both say if you chose military, if you chose medicine, would you have not chosen medicine at this point? I, you know, it's uh, for me. it's a daily conversation I have with myself. My contract's about to come up and I'm going to have to decide like, Hey, do I continue to do this or do I do something else? And so that, yeah, I, at this point, it's, it's still a question, I guess, because there, there might be other things that I, that I'd like to do. Yeah. I think, um, for me, I think everyone goes into medicine everyone I know goes into medicine because they want to help people and they want to make a difference and they like science and the human body and all the same reasons that we all give, um, which are true. But I don't think that it's just like being in the military. You don't understand what it's like until you do it. I don't think you understand what medicine is like until you do it. And 
for me, the day-to-day grind and the listening to the concerns and the complaints and the frustrations um, all day, every day, um, sucks more life out of me than it gives back. Um, And that isn't fair to my family either. So knowing what I know now, I don't know that I would sign up to do this again. Um, If I did, I would do it the same way. But it just, it sucks a lot out of you. Um, so if we're, if we're ever tired or look really tired or grumpy in an appointment or exasperated, um, we're probably just at our breaking point. And it's probably not you. It's probably the last 150 things. Um, and you just happen to be around us right then. Well, thank you guys so much. I do have one more question. What is your favorite memory of being in the military? Uh, my most recent one. So I had a parent come in with her son and she, she asked me, she's like, what, what is your name? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm blah, blah, blah. Um, and she was, um, she came into the military a, a while back and she was in my dad's squadron. And that was the coolest thing to be taking care of her son and she when she had judged first first job was was in in my dad's squad or whatever he was in and so it was just kind of cool so, yeah it was, yeah it was like a cool because i yeah military life it, it's it's a small military mm-hmm. uh, and so that that was i mean and then every day you'll see oh you saw my friend blah 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 who's stationed over here and oh, you were at my last station. Did you get to meet this person? Or, oh, did you go to this restaurant? And so those have been the coolest, some of the coolest experiences. I can't narrow it down to one memory. I think the hours that you spend with people, getting to know them and trust in the hospital or in the clinic um, and the friendships that are all over the world that you would have never met otherwise, that you would have just, you would have never run into them in this life any time else. And by the end or in the middle of that assignment, you can't imagine your life without that human being and those human beings. Um, that is what makes the military. And to have that in a, in a clinic where you all feel like that, which is what I would say we have right now, is um, pretty special. So not one memory, but a series of daily memories that make up one giant happy heart squeeze. The majority of answers are community. And I think that is, I think that's cool that it's on both sides, the military personnel and the families. That's what makes us be able to keep going. Well, thank you guys. I was just trying to think of like, if I could let them know like one other thing, I wish that there was a way that we could teach the system better of like, how do you enroll your kid? How do you get into DEERS? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you mm-hmm. access your referrals? How do you pick up medications? How do you schedule this? Like, I wish there was a more comprehensive way to teach that because I feel like a lot of the frustration of military medicine is just the system. Since we're on that topic, as a, um, like as a mom, a lot of times in the middle of the night, <laughs> I have weird questions. And using, sometimes I feel like I'm annoying because I get on my email thing. I don't even know what it's called. And I'll email my provider and say, Hey, it's one o'clock in the morning. We've been up all night. This, these are the symptoms. This is the fever. This is what's going on. Can you call me first thing? Is that wrong? Is that right? Is there a better way to do that instead of going to the emergency room? What, 
what's the best way to contact with those questions that seem like I'm a new mom and I have no idea what's going on, but I need the help. What's the best way? The best way. There are literally nurses in the clinic who that's the first thing they do in the morning is get there and start going through those phone calls and going through those emails. And they are literally next door to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are pediatric nurses. So yes, please, please email. Um, please, please, please do that. Um, because that's what we're there for. Yep. Absolutely. Even if it's just reassurance, like there's, there's no silly questions, like honest, just, you know, schedule a telephone appointment, send, send the online message and the nurse will get back to you. Um, and sometimes just say that, just be like, I just need reassurance that mm-hmm. it's okay or not. Okay. That helps us to know, what are you looking for here? Are you looking for a treat? Like, what do you, what, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're trying to figure out too, is how can we help? So when we don't know what you're looking for, sometimes that's hard. So yes. Email. I mean, when the nurse will call back. That's not you ignoring us, right? That's them helping get more information or like, why did the nurses call us and not you guys? Because if I emailed you in the middle of the night, I won't talk to you. But don't you remember, we have every 10 minute appointment starting at 710. So yeah. uh, you would never not get checking a call messages. back. So the yeah. quickest way to us is through our nurses mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are trained to find the scary stuff and they know how we practice so well that they know the answers of the things that are reassuring. Aren't they the best? They are so fun and it was such a pleasure to hang out with them and to hear their hearts and their concerns and their passion for our children. And I know it's not just the two of them. I know pediatricians all over this country feel the same way. I hope to see you guys this week over on Instagram. And if not, I will talk to you guys next week. Mm -hmm.